Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Warning, this podcast contains conspiracy, paranormal, and true crime cases. The nature of these cases may be gory, unsettling, or vulgar. Please be advised. Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. And this, I'm Taylor. (laughs) And I am Morgan, and this is episode 44. It was a little debate. This is our second take on recording this intro, but um, it is episode 44, in fact. Yeah, it's second take and uh, post-panic attack. That, yeah, we <laughs> contemplated diving headfirst out of this window because we thought we deleted episode 43 because, again, we are recording two weeks in advance, so we could have a little bit of a break. Yep. Um, But, well, yeah, that was actually terrifying that was not okay for me no that was i like and then we just had a heart to heart for 30 yeah, minutes we did. about 40 different topics so i don't know what's going on but i think about Taylor, careers taylor's had a little bit too much wine yeah and i'm actually drinking red wine guys guys i'm gonna skip to what we're drinking yeah and go ahead it's home. red wine i don't know what it is it's cabernet so it's cab sav it's absolutely trash but it's delicious i've had a really long day she has had she has had a very long day i'm doing an awful and by awful i mean crazy story that has pulled all of the life out of me she's like i have to disassociate <laughs> i need to remove my mind from my body and just tell the story like a robot i'm on glass three i'm on glass three ever since my workout and i, I didn't even have another glass of water after my workout because i was like I've got I don't know drink. how you don't chug water after leaving there. I get a massive headache if I don't. Well, I do have my big water bottle that mm-hmm. I chug during and after my workout on my way home. But the moment I got home, I was like, wine, 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 because I'm not okay. <laughs> my story's fun, guys. Good. I'm glad. It's not lizard people, though, so don't get your hopes Ooh, up. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> no hate on those that are lizards listening. But yeah, you guys are a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I want to tell you guys something. So this past weekend, um, well, before I start, follow us on you know what Instagram Creeps and Crimes podcast, Twitter Creeps underscore, underscore crimes. crimes, and I'm three weeks behind on that. So. And TikTok, TikTok, <laughs> and on TikTok at Creeps and Crimes. I love TikTok. I love scrolling through the TikTok. <laughs> anyway, yeah, do that. Check out our website. Website. Creeps and Crimes, <laughs> Creeps and Crimes Podcast.com. So funny. Anyway, I have a story to tell you guys. So Aaron and I, we had to go home this weekend. Um, he, his cousin was getting married. And first, before I tell the story again, shout out to Aaron's younger cousin, Emma. She loves this podcast and I know she's going to love the shout out. So thanks, Emma, for the support. And also send us that creepy encounter that you told us. Thank oh, you. Emma, I already heard about your creepy account. 
And I think I have to be the one to read it. Yeah, so send it in. You know, <laughs> what mainly to do. because you know Taylor can't read, so I'm gonna have to read over it like 30 times before. And Morgan already told me right. the gist of it, so <laughs> yeah, okay. I think I could do that one. <laughs> so send that shit in, Emma. Thank you. Okay, here's a story. We were driving home, and we can't leave Knoxville until about 5:36 because Aaron doesn't get off work until five. So we end up driving through the night. It's a seven and a half hour drive back to Pennsylvania. And it was around what time? It was late. It was like 1230 or 12 when I texted you. Yeah, it was late at night. So I was, okay, um, I was sitting in the backseat and Aaron was driving. <laughs> and I Thank you, Tickwalk. Thank you, Tickwalk, for giving me the idea to recline the passenger seat all the way down to make it into a flat bed. So that's where I was sitting. And Aaron goes, do you see that over there? What is that? Is that lightning? And I look out the window to the left and there is these flashes of light that are like moving down, like following us, like with the car that, but, but they're behind the tree line. Sorry, I'm stuttering like crazy. (laughs) Not good at storytelling. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a video of it. So I pull my phone out and I say, or at least I thought I say, slow down, baby. I'm trying to take a video. That's what I thought I said. I didn't even look at the video. I sent it to Taylor and I said, WTF is this? Because it legit looked like a UFO. Aaron thought it was like electricity moving down a power line because that is kind of what it looks like. And Taylor texts me back and she's like, are you okay? I'm going to play it for them. Okay. Okay. I'm going to play this. She's going to post this on our story whenever this episode comes out. Set a reminder on your phone. Okay. (laughs) But I'm going to play it for you real quick. Oh, my sound's off. So that does not do us any good, does it? Okay, here we go. I'm (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but I don't know what I said. Taylor texted me back. She goes, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. It doesn't look like a UFO. She goes, no, are you okay? You sound like you're having a stroke. And I'm like, what? So I play the video back, music full full blast and you hear like this like buzzing noise and then you hear me say "Uh, slow down i don't even know what i said i don't even know it's like i don't like it wasn't like my voice had totally cut out it was the weirdest thing that's not even her voice like when she talks normally like not even like like off recording like when we're just like chilling and you're like talking under your breath to somebody like that's not even how morgan sounds like it sounds like a slowed down version of my voice yeah you know how like, when you record something and it's like slow mo it's yes. like Ooh. that's what like, it sounds that, like that's what it but the like. video is full speed yeah and i don't know it was so crazy i think i might have gotten abducted so she got abducted she no longer has a heart i am a lizard <laughs> i am a reptilian no i am a reptilian um men in black came and visited you yeah and they erased my memory they but too did. bad i sent proof to you so they're coming to our door your door please don't come to my door anyway it was so crazy i played it to aaron i said i did not sound like that and he goes no you said slow down i'm trying to record this i don't know how that happened or what the noise before my voice sounded like but so yeah weird yeah that's that's that. Ugh. I literally passed out right after you sent that to me. And I woke up and I went over to Logan. I like rolled over to Logan. Wait, was that the night that I had gone out and had espresso martinis? Um, mm, it was, no, it was Friday no. night. Yep, yeah, Saturday night I went and had an espresso martinis. So I was literally just no Friday night. I had been laying in, on the couch watching a video with um, watching a movie with Nikki, and we had been drinking wine. And I rolled over to Nikki and I'm like, Nikki, listen to this. And I play it for Nikki and she's like, is she okay? And I'm like, so you hear it too. Like, I'm not crazy. Because she texted me back and was like, no, I literally said 
blah 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 yeah and i was like me and nikki were both like no you did not yeah no you ma'am it was insane i don't know what happened and the lights were just so weird like it really did look like electricity moving down a power line but like you don't see electricity in a power line you know like it's not on the outside it's wrapped up and well well right but most of the time it only like has one flash and this was like two four like at one it was like a ball like with different flashing lights coming at you like something was spinning yeah moving with that yes that's the same speed as you yeah i don't know and like all these other cars beside her in the video are zooming past you and that light is in sync with you yeah it's so it's so weird yeah so if you guys are at home my home and you're listening to this it was right outside um like morgantown headed towards washington of course it's in morgantown yeah it was it was like right at the west virginia pa border it was so weird i don't know out by waynesburg you guys got some creepy shit anyway shit going on what'd you do this weekend uh logan went to cleveland to cleveland cleveland tennessee and uh was selling our boat down there oh did you guys sell it yeah he ended up selling it to like this amazing couple so they they're awesome and i was really happy with who he sold it to because they're just great people um not that they would ever be listening to us and i hope to god that they never do but um uh they were awesome and so he actually sold it on his first day of like going down and meeting with people and that was awesome for us. So he went ahead and got that over with. And um, he didn't come back until late Saturday night. So on Friday night, Nikki had gone and was babysitting one of our friends. Uh, oh, Kelly. Hi. Hi. I heard you're re- listening to our recordings now. I don't, you remember my old boss from yeah. Vault Team? Yeah. She's listening now. What's up? So hi, Kelly. Thank you for listening. Uh, Kelly, uh, Nikki went to She was our cheer person, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kelly. Kelly. Sorry we drug you into that. <laughs> so Kelly, she went to go watch Kelly's kids and um, she didn't end up coming back until a little bit later. She had to go run some errands afterwards and for her new apartment and she didn't get home until later. And so I was by myself for the first time in like months and I got to just, I like meditated. I walked yeah. on the treadmill. I walked to the liquor store to get two bottles <laughs> of wine. Yeah. I walked back and then I watched, I took a shower, a long, long shower with my wine. And then I watched a bunch of movies and just chilled by myself. I read my book and then Nikki came home and we drank some more and guys, I've got a new drink that I've been oh, drinking. Oh, God. What is it? Water, vodka, and lemons. That just half good. a lemon. And it just literally tastes like lemon water. Mm-hmm. And I could probably drink that. It does some really dirty things to you because you're like, okay, this yeah. is just lemon water. I'm so thirsty. Glug, 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 glug. glug, glug, glug and then glug. you're like, mm, I can't see. Two shots later. Glug, yeah, glug, glug. Literally, it's up at three shots in it. And you literally can only taste okay, lemon. Morgan. Yeah, okay, calm down me. And it was Tito's, so it doesn't get me drunk. Ah, it doesn't. So, we, anyways, that was a fun time, but uh, that's all i done. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. You ready? Yeah, I guess I'm ready. Hit them with it. But before you do, make sure you follow us. And, guys, we've been, like, a month and a half without a review. And, and um, it's really hurting our feelings. It's really getting to my self-esteem. Is that what you're telling us? Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna end up having to a either do one for ourselves to make us feel better, <laughs> like, or can someone please go leave us a review on uh, it Apple. Takes three seconds. Just literally say they're good, five stars. Yeah. Like that's love all. Love this. Love them. Uh, anyways, that's all I have. 
So hit them with it now. Okay. If you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. Okay, my famous line. All right, Morgan, what do you got for us today? <laughs> Why'd you steal it? It's my favorite. <laughs> All right, you say it. It's not the same. Okay, Morgan, uh, what do you have for us today? Okay, today, <laughs> I also say that every time, <laughs> I have a fun, thrilling little story for you Woo-woo. all, especially you video game addicts out there. AKA couldn't, our partners. <laughs> couldn't be me. No. Couldn't be Aaron and couldn't be Logan. Um, But it definitely is my friends that I made in... Uh, where did I go on my honeymoon? St. Lucia. St. Lucia. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know why that couldn't come out of my brain. My friends from St. Lucia, I was talking about MB and Alex. They're married, okay? They game together every night. Oh, my it's our It's our men's dream. That's, yeah, I know. It, and MB is just like the coolest person ever, and it's literally their dream. Yeah, they, uh, they have the best time. They drink martinis. Don't and why do you have to get that idea? I, I know. Whenever she told Logan, I was like, you know what, MB? Yep. Fuck you. Yeah. For that. Keep it quiet. Yeah. Keep it quiet. Shut please. up. <laughs> anyway, my story starts with a young boy from Portland, Oregon, and his name is Bobby Feldstein. Bobby was your typical 14-year-old teenage boy. He spent most of his time begging his parents for quarters to hit up the arcade. So this is back in like 1980s. He loved the arcade, specifically this one kind of dodgy arcade down in the city in Portland, called Coin Kingdom. He spent all of his change and all of his time on one specific arcade game. One game that had just came out. It was brand new. And all the kids were itching to play it. And that is Polybius. And the line for Polybius was out the door. The only way you would stop playing is if the kids behind you would legit, like, pull you away it was that addicting to these boys oh my god and bobby was obsessed but here's the issue the deeper that bobby got into the game the more ill he got things started to go seriously wrong in his head as if his consciousness was quickly dissolving into like this static feeling so once seriously upset that he ran out of change he could no longer play the game anymore Bobby left Coin Kingdom and he made his way home. But the further he got from the arcade, the feeling grew that something was terribly off. When Bobby got home, he finally started to feel that things were starting to go back to normal. But then that quickly changed when a group of mysterious men started approaching his house. Uh Uh-uh. When they entered, Bobby tried to let out a scream but was paralyzed. And shortly after, he blacked out. And on that night of October in 1981, Bobby Floodstein disappeared from his home in the suburbs of Portland, Oregon. (gasps) As the story goes, Bobby woke up but was unable to tell where he was by his surroundings. It seemed as if he was in somewhere deep underground, like tunnel almost, unable to move as he was tied up with restraints. Another young boy, bruised and in bad shape, had approached him releasing him from the restraints. The two boys fled through these underground tunnels or whatnot they were, um, and they were sure that they were being followed. So they were like sprinting. I got to get out of here. Let's go. Whoever this little boy is. Once emerged from the tunnels, Bobby looked around and saw nothing but thick forest. Another look, and he realized that the little boy that had freed him had disappeared. (gasps) 
And that left Bobby alone in a forest about 60 miles from his home in Portland. After days go by, Bobby finds himself making his way back home and runs right to his parents to tell them what had happened. But his parents had just thought it was a story that he made up so that they wouldn't be mad at him for disappearing like that. Like they had just assumed that he was off doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. I mean, this is 1980. Right. Kids would just go away forever. Right. Therefore, no one believed Bobby what had happened. So for the next 35 years, Bobby spent most of his time searching for the one person that would corroborate his story, the little boy that helped him escape. Which brings me to the name of today's story, The Polybius Conspiracy. You see, you see, Polybius wasn't a regular arcade game. It was a rare find, and it was only released in a few suburbs of Portland, Oregon. The game was created by a mysterious company called, uh, it's German, sorry whoever yelled at me for saying we don't know Chupacabra, because I don't know this word either. Um, it is called Sinelsochen, okay, which is German and that stands for sense deletion. Sorry, Marley. Like, senses. Also, sorry, Pearly. Sorry, Marley and sorry, Chupacabra. <laughs> That's my new saying. <laughs> Check out our Instagram if you don't know what we're talking about. Anyway, so this German name of this mysterious company that created Polybius, the name translates to sense deletion, like sense as in you know, your noses, your five senses. The game Polybius resembled Atari's Tempest arcade cabinet. So arcade cabinets are what you see in arcades. Right. We get that, right? We yeah. all know what a cabinet We're all here. is. Cab- cabinet. Oh, God. No, <laughs> okay. Um, and it's like a puzzle shooting type of game. Like in Bobby's story, it was very popular. Long lines formed behind it. But what wasn't included in Bobby's story is that those who played the game experienced really strange things. Some would hear a woman crying. Others would see distorted faces out of the corner of their eyes. Like when their eyes are basically glued on this game, they would see these faces. Um, Players would become nauseous while playing Polybius. They would get headaches and some would even black out. Others even developed amnesia, becoming unsure of what they were doing in the arcade in the first place. Thinking they would feel better when they returned home they would go to sleep only to experience terrifying nightmares based on the game. Trigger warning here. Um, some became so ill and haunted from the game that they would commit suicide. Oh, God. This led to a lot of the kids never playing video games again. And some of them eventually becoming like anti-video game activists, which I didn't even know that was a thing, but I guess it is. I guess I'm one. But the weirdest part about Polybius is that after one month of its release... Every single game cabinet disappeared, and it wasn't the owners of the arcades doing. Because Polybius was not owned by the arcade. They were actually owned by the CIA. Shut up. Shut up. The game was actually being tested by the CIA as a brainwashing tool. And weekly routine maintenance would happen on the Polybius cabinets. Except it wasn't to collect change. Owners reported that strange men dressed in suits would come to the arcades once a week, flash their badges, and collect game data. Oh, wow. They would not take any of the money on the very popular game, which you know was cashing in. They would only collect the data. 
Now, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the story of Polybius is simply a creepy pasta. No! Yes, you just got creepy pastaed by Creeps and Crimes. <laughs> Again. But what we love about this one is that it's one of the few creepy pastas that some people 100% believe in, which is making it a conspiracy theory itself. So let's talk about it. Why do people think it's actually real? Yeah, tell us, Morgan. Let me tell you. Because back then, when these boys were teenagers, the internet didn't exist. So if they were experiencing something from this video game, they didn't really have the means to share their experience until 20 years later. Right. And not just that, people and arcade owners are adamant about the fact that they have played an arcade game known as Polybius. They remember what it looked like, what it sounded like, and exactly how you played it. And everyone's story matches. And this urban legend, whatever you want to call it, starts 10 years after the MKUltra experiments were stopped. Shut up. So who's to say that the CIA wasn't like, hold up, we're busted with MKUltra. MKUltra, no more. Our bad. Cancel that. Let's figure out a way to do this where nobody would ever catch us. So phase two, what's the big hype right now in the 80s? Video games. Arcades. Arcades. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. So besides the mind control, others theorize that the game was implemented in order to basically like scout future soldiers and stuff. Oh, just see how they played. Which is dead ass probably what they do with Call of Duty. Yeah, 100%. Like our boys are going to be royally fucked if there's another draft. Like I'm like they probably take that data. Yeah, I would if I were the military, I would. That's in, so scary. I'm sorry, but What's important here are the facts. So let me talk about some of the facts. Um, the facts are that in the span of one week, three children in the 1980s really did fall sick from playing video games at arcades in Portland area. Michael Lopez, he was playing Tempest at an arcade, got an excruciating migraine that put him on the floor and required him to be hospitalized. Oh my God. With no history of migraines before. Jeff Daly died in an arcade due to a heart attack after chasing a world record while playing a game called Berserk. And Peter Burkowski followed the same fate as Jeff Daly while playing the same exact game. And during the time, the FBI and the CIA were actually raiding arcades in the Portland area. That is confirmed. Their reason was that, according to them, back in the 80s, arcades weren't the safe haven that people think they were. Oh. And that they were actually the source of drug dealing and illegal gambling. Oh. So some believe that they used these raids as a cover-up to keep tabs on the different arcades in the Portland area. And that during these raids is when they would take data from games and install the completely new game Polybius, like the cabinet. Because, like, owners are like, I, uh, yeah. You, I mean, if the CIA, FBI, what, law enforcement ra- help comes in, you can't do anything about right, that. Right, exactly. Especially back then. They if just- they have a warrant, whatever. And then also, it's not like everybody listens to watch this 48 Hours or True Crime podcast to know, like, hey, you can't do this. This is illegal. They don't know that shit back right, then. Right, exactly. And yet another connection to this creepy pasta turned urban legend turned conspiracy theory happened in 2006 when a man named Stephen Roach posted a forum on a forum where Polybius was first mentioned. <clears throat> he offered a very detailed story about how he was commissioned by a weird cover-up company to build a video game about 20 years ago. <gasps> they released the video game in a small market area 
until people started to get sick from it. So they recalled Steve's video game. Stephen said it, it was as simple as that. But according to a video game historian named Kat Despera, he confirmed that there was in fact a man named Stephen Roach who used to run these behavioral modification programs. Kat was quoted, I'm quoting here, his company was based in Mexico, but they actually belonged to an institution of some sort that was global. What they used to do was basically a child reform academy that used behavior modification. And it's implied some sort of brainwashing, but obviously not digital. But that ended up getting shut down by the government authorities because of abusive practices that supposedly Stephen and his wife were involved in. And now Stephen is a man on the run. What they did was horrifying. It was related to mind control and the idea of deprivation with these kids who were at the Reform Academy. So it isn't clear whether this fugitive Stephen Roach was the Stephen Roach that posted about the commissioning a video game or just a poser, but that's suspicious. That's it is weird. absolutely possible that a man who runs a or ran a brainwashing behavior modification program Basically, they brainwashed by deprivation. That's what's the issue with kids in video games now is they're freaking sleep deprived. Oh, I can confirm. My husband is sleep deprived. Absolutely. But it's so possible that this man could have created a sort of game like Polybius for a cover-up company. And of course, another fun fact, um, The Simpsons referenced Polybius in an episode. Oh, God. So you know it's real. So we know it's real. During which the bar, or not bar, I have bar written in here, Bart... Um, is playing a game called Triangle Wars at an arcade. And right next to him is a Polybius cabinet with the words below it, property of the U.S. government. And no other arcade games in the arcade had property of the U.S. government. So if the Simpsons are referencing it, then shit. So maybe Polybius did exist and maybe it didn't or maybe something a lot like it did. That's up for you to decide. And that is the story of the Polybius conspiracy. I didn't give you guys any of my sources, so let me run through those real quick. Um, I didn't want to ruin the fact that it was a creepypasta. So I got all of my information from Eurogamer.net, Slate.com, Wikipedia.org, Creepypasta.org, FT.com, Radiotopia.com, and the Polybius Conspiracy Podcast. I loved it. I do. Okay. I want to just mention something. I just kind of like flew through it. But that whole Stephen Roach thing, like that's crazy to me. Well, also it's like, what have we talked about in Washington state? That's just been so weird. Even with our podcast, right? we had an crazy amount of downloads from Lake Stevens, Washington. Right. Now that's closer to Seattle than is Portland. But same vicinity. Same. Everything up there is You the know, same. like, that's just so weird that... And then there was literally an article on multiple podcast platforms about Lake Stevens, Washington. Yeah. And saying that there might have been, like, a hub there that was pulling downloads for certain devices. Yeah. So that just even, like... like if it would have been anywhere else, I would have been able to like, oh, okay, you know, that's funny. But something so weird about the state of Washington and how the government uses it, it's kind of mm-hmm. like my Dakota's theory. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, just different. I, I think that I, I believe it. 
and like a lot of people get pissed off that this is a creepypasta because like because these 40 year old men these 40 year old men are like no I played that when I was a kid like that's real like my buddy got sick from it it's like a creepypasta and a Mandela effect all in one yeah I don't know I love it yeah yeah I thought it was pretty cool I liked it too oh my god so sorry to every single person that literally says no I've literally played that yeah, no, right? I feel bad. For, for being like literally I believe gaslighted you. by Fixing the government. Crimes believes you. We believe and you. we are sorry that you're gaslighted yeah. into being a crazy person. By the government. Sorry for everybody that's been gaslighted and by the, the government. And MK really like right after MK Ultra gets exposed. And like really I'm trying to l- pull from the depths of my brain when what I else used- was going on in the 80s? Yeah, and like especially with behavioral science, like w- wasn't that the come up of behavioral science and psychology Absolutely, and all yeah. of that? Like yeah, that was- makes sense, right? Ugh. I don't know. So freaking crazy. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Thanks. All right. I we don't even have it. Oh. Okay, we'll have an ad in season two to put here. And okay. you guys don't have to listen to us talk forever. But it's my turn. Okay, yeah. All right, Taylor, what do you got for us today? Okay, guys. So today um, I have the largest trigger warning I think I'm ever going to give you for gory um, content. It's Yikes. very triggering. It's super gory. It was so hard for me that I we actually had to postpone our recording for a few days because I couldn't look at all the things that I had to look at and read all the things I had to read and then record about it. So here we go. All right. Uh, Can't wait. Woohoo. Here we go. So today I'm covering the story of Charlie Brandt. So my Charlie sources, D'Amelio. not Charlie D'Amelio. I had a dream about her. She did have a dream about her actually and called me about it. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, my sources are Wikipedia, All That's Interesting, Murderpedia, Dr. Phil, the Orlando Sentinel, TalkMurder.com, CBS News, Serial Killers Podcast, Program to Kill, Tri- Crime Junkies Podcast, and A Killer Uncovered. So um, my story starts in 2004. 47-year-old Charlie Brandt and his wife, Terry, lived in a beautiful beach house on Big Pine Key in the Florida Keys. The couple of 18 years were absolutely grossly in love with each other, always writing each other love letters, and they did this literally daily and would put it in each other's lunches for work. Though it was over the top, everyone wanted a love like theirs. Charlie was a radar specialist, and his duties were to watch for drugs being smuggled into the U.S. via a radar blimp that he was in charge of. On September 4th, 2004, Charlie and Terry were made to evacuate their home and vacate the area because of Hurricane Ivan. So the couple worked super hard to board up their entire home, hopped in their car, and they headed to Orlando to stay with Terry's niece, Michelle Jones. Michelle was a well-off TV executive who had a kind heart and always an open home for those who needed it. Michelle was very close with her mother, Terry's sister, Mary Lou, who lived in North Carolina at the time. But being away from her parents was not a big deal because of the large group of extremely tight friends that she had in Orlando. It made it super easy for Michelle to be away from her mother, who was her best friend. 
Her friend group was so close that each of the four women had a copy of each other's house keys. This was nice for all of Michelle's friends because she had a huge pool and a hot tub. Let's go, Michelle. Right. But this little evacuation vacation was anything but a relaxing getaway for Terry and Charlie because Charlie's father and sister lived in the area in addition to a lot of their longtime friends. And on top of that, all of Michelle's besties loved her aunt, Terry. So they were so excited to come visit during their stay. And what we know now is that they were going to be there a lot longer than expected, considering the fact that Hurricane Ivan lasted from September 2nd until September 25th. I remember. Yeah, it was a long, long hurricane. In fact, it was like, I think one of the only hurricanes that got stronger in like its time. I don't remember. I remember reading about how, like, how, like, how unique it was as of a hurricane. Yeah. So... Ten of those days, it was extremely major and a very dangerous hurricane. Well, from the get-go, Charlie was very angry about being evacuated. He thought that there was no way that this was going to be a bad storm and that they would be safe, and he wanted to stay, but they were forced to leave. So the more time that went on with them unable to get back home, the more frustrated Charlie and Terry got, and it was causing them a lot of arguments. Charlie went to visit his sisters and his father while in town, and the last time they saw each other, Charlie seemed on edge, his sister Jessica said. He was frustrated about being in Orlando, saying that it was all Terry's idea because she just wanted to come spend time with her family and friends, but all Charlie wanted to do was just go home. When Charlie left that evening, he hugged his sisters and his dad a little extra tight, and he looked at them in the eye saying, I love you. This is very out of character for the family. They were just like a quick hug and go type of group and they were not overly affectionate people that's how my family was yeah or is right that's how like me my mom is like wants to kiss your whole entire face before you leave and me and my dad are like side hug love you bye yeah um well on september 12th the brants were scheduled to head home their bags were packed and they had their alarm set to leave very early that morning but when michelle got up to say her goodbyes charlie and terry were excited to tell her that they were going to stay a little bit longer until the 14th Michelle was like, okay, perfect. That's so fun. We can invite some friends over for drinks and have a good time tonight since you didn't get to visit with everybody. On the evening of September 13th, Lisa Emmons, who was one of Michelle's closest friends, was planning on coming by for some drinks and to visit with Terry and Charlie. A few hours before she was due to stop by, Michelle called Lisa and said, hey, I think we're just going to, we've had a little bit too much to drink tonight and Charlie and Aunt Terry have been arguing, so we're just going to crash. Lisa was like, look, I totally understand. Um, No problem. Plus, they have a long drive the next day, so not a big deal at all. This was the last night that Michelle was heard from. Two days go by, and no one can get a hold of Michelle, Charlie, or Terry. Well, Mary Lou ain't having that shit, so she calls Michelle's, right, she calls Michelle's other friend, Debbie Knight, and asks her to go over to Michelle's and check on her. Debbie's like, absolutely, I'm on my way now. And when Debbie gets to the house, she sees both of the cars in the driveway. So she knew that they were all home. She walks up to the door, knocks a few times, but there is no answer. Debbie begins looking through the windows, banging on the doors, but still nothing. Not even a sound of feet shuffling. So she pulls out her key and puts it in the lock, but it was stuck and the door would not open. Debbie starts to panic and frantically look through all of the windows. I would break open your window. Yeah, I hope you would. So she's banging on the doors, looking through all the windows, and she gets to the garage door. She looks through the glass and she screams in horror. 
This is the largest and last trigger warning that I'm going to be giving Ew, you with this entire story. I don't want to hear story. it. What she sees is Michelle's uncle Charlie hanging from the garage rafters by a bed sheet. Oh, my God. She immediately calls 911. When the police arrive on the scene, they are in shock at what was found in this house. First, they find Terry lying on the couch in the living room, stabbed seven times in her chest. They then walk through all of the rooms in the house, front to back, looking for Michelle. Room by room, there is no sign of her until they reach the back master bedroom. When they open the door, even the veteran detectives had to run out of the house because of the gruesome sight to, that they literally had to catch their breaths, and some of them were literally throwing up outside the home. Michelle's cause of death was ultimately one single stab wound to her heart, but after she passed away, her body had been placed on her bed, her head had been decapitated and placed beside her on the bed, and her body had been cut and opened down the middle. Her breast and all of her internal organs had been removed and placed outside of her body surrounding her in a circle. The room was cleaned up, but Victoria's Secret bras, lingerie, and underwear had been thrown around the room. Police could not believe their eyes or understand what the motive was here, but they knew one thing for sure. This was a murder-suicide by Charlie Brandt. But why? Why would 47 Charlie want to kill his wife of almost 20 years and her niece, who they loved dearly? He literally had no record, not even a fingerprint in the system. It made no sense at all. Police decided to interview as many people as they could. So they bring in Charlie's family to the police station for a briefing before they could get started with the interviews the next day. But his older sister, Angela, was a no-show. Once all the other family members left, Angela came into the police station and told them that she had been waiting for her family to leave while sitting in her car in the parking lot and said, quote, there's something I need to tell you people. But only her and a handful of select individuals knew this, not even her younger sisters. And it was not on any police records anywhere. Charlie had killed before. But I'm not talking like an accident or like animals or something like that. I'm talking Charlie Brandt killed his own mother. What? Yeah. And it wasn't on record? Mm-mm. Oh, shit. I know. In January of 1971, when Angela was 15 and Charlie was 13, they were living in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It was their parents, Angela, Charlie, and their two toddler little sisters. On the night of the 3rd, around 9 p.m., the kids had all been sent to bed and their parents were in the master suite getting ready for bed. Their mother was eight months pregnant at the time and excited to prop her feet up and take a bath while her father shaved his face and got ready for bed. When all of a sudden, their father sees Charlie standing behind him in the mirror, holding a gun. He screams, Charlie, don't. Charlie, stop. But before he could turn around, he was shot in the back and fell to the ground. Charlie then ran to his mother, stood above her, and fired five shots into her chest oh as she God. screamed for Angela to call the police. Angela was in her room reading and heard the commotion. She jumped up and started at her door when she was met by Charlie holding a gun in her face in the hallway. He pulls the trigger and click. The gun did not fire. Next thing Angela knew, she was on the floor with her brother on top of her. They were duking it the hell out and Angela was fighting for her life. 
She was screaming, Charlie, why? Charlie, I love you. I love you. Please stop. What are you doing? And as if he was being pulled out of a dream, his eyes went from madness to a glaze over look, and then he just stopped and looked at her. Oh, no. Angela gets away from him and runs down the stairs, out the front door, as Charlie asks over and over again, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? She's sprinting and screaming, covered in blood. She runs through all of the newly fallen snows and staining it with blood as she runs to her neighbor's house. Angela is banging and screaming at the front door, and she turns around to see her brother Charlie sprinting at her. She takes off to the next house screaming for help, and Charlie runs up to the house that her, his sister was at begging for help. He knocks very calmly. When the 16-year-old neighbor rips open the door while yelling for her parents to wake up, Charlie calmly looks at her and says, Sandy, I just shot my mom and dad. All of the family members were rushed to the hospital where Charlie's mother and unborn sibling were pronounced dead. His father survived, but was in a severe state of shock. He just kept saying, I don't know why my son did this. I have no idea why my son did this. He is a mama's boy. He loved his mama. When detectives took Charlie away, his eyes were dilated and he just couldn't understand what he had just done or why he had done it. In 1971, Indiana police officers and courts had no idea what to do about a child killer. There were no laws about it. Did they just send him to jail? Kids didn't go to jail. We weren't born evil, and he wasn't a bad kid. He just had great grades, an amazing family, and no behavioral issues ever reported, not even at school. So the state of Indiana ordered Charlie would undergo three separate psychological evaluations, yet all three came back suggesting that Charlie was 100% mentally fit with no underlying health issues. What? With these evaluations and the fact that Indiana had no laws about child murderers, he was not sent to jail, but instead he was sent to a mental health facility. But he only spent one year in the facility before his father fought tooth and nail to get him released. Once they got Charlie out, Herbert Brandt picked up and moved his son and three daughters to Florida and never, ever told anybody about this incident ever again. The story, the story they went with was that his mother had died in a car accident. Not even the two little sisters. They were never told. Police and medical professionals believe that he was just a normal kid that snapped one day. We don't know a lot about the family's life in Florida, but what we do know is Charlie's entire family, including his new stepmother, moved back to Indiana. This sounds like an episode of Criminal Minds. I know, right? But they left Charlie to be raised by his grandparents in Florida. Nothing ever happened again with his behavior, not even a school violation. So what made him snap? Or was it a snap? Did he ever really stop? Please fear that their suspicions were correct. We were no longer looking at a snapped case. That 2004 murder was just too clean, too perfect, too practiced. They were no longer looking for answers. They were searching for other victims. Oh, shit. Police began interviewing all of the couple's friends and family and what they found. Is that where you were going to stop? Yeah, that's where I was going to stop. Oh, shit. Guys, whenever... She's going to do a two-parter. I called Morgan and I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like, I had to stop right then. I was like, I can't, I can't read about any more of this right now. And so we moved it. So this is where I was like, I might have to do a two-parter if you want to record right now because I can't finish the rest of this. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot already. Yeah. That's a, that's a heavy toll. episode. Yeah. yeah. 
So that, where are we at? Okay, police began interviewing all of the couple's friends and families, and what they found was disturbing. Co-workers told police that Charlie was obsessed with the human anatomy. He would always read books about it. He wanted to read autopsy reports, even watch necrophilia videos. Oh, not that again. Mm-hmm. Have we had enough of that? Yep. And the couple even had a muscular and skeletal system poster of a woman with a blonde bun hanging on the back of their bedroom door. Another thing was a nickname that he had given Michelle Jones. The niece. This nickname is what he would refer to her as when talking about her at work, which was more often than not. He would call her Victoria's Secret. Just like all of the lingerie, bras, and underwear that were thrown around the crime scene. Police then pull in Charlie's ex-brother-in-law and best friend, Jim Graves. Jim had been married to Angela, Charlie's older sister, a.k.a. the one the only one that knew the truth about her mother's death. And Angela had actually told Jim about the incident, but swore him to secrecy. Angela and Jim ended up getting divorced, but Jim's a good dude, so he stayed really good friends with everyone in the family. He even moved to Key West, so he saw Terry and Charlie very often. Jim tells investigators that a few years ago, Terry came to him needing advice. She told him that Jim... She told Jim that she wanted to call the police on her husband, Charlie. Terry had came home early from work one evening and couldn't find Charlie. So she went outside to their utility building where they had a fish gutting room. When she opened the door, she saw Charlie standing with an overflowing sink filled with blood. Oh my God. She said he was covered head to toe in blood as if he had rolled in it. Terry asked what he was doing and Charlie said, I'm just filleting fish. Terry went back into the house and she realized that A, it was the evening. B, it was a work day. So when did he have time to go fishing? C, there were no fish in the room. Because there wasn't fish. Jim defended his best friend, playing it off saying, well, yeah, fish gutting rooms are always covered in blood. And I'm sure fish were in the sink, but you just couldn't see them from where you were standing. Terry says, I know Jim, but that same day a woman went missing and was later found dead in a rowboat. The woman was found less than 1,000 feet from the Brant's home. And when police released a composite sketch, it was a perfect match to Charlie Brandt. And I'm going to show it to you. Okay, so here's the sketch. Okay. Here's Charlie Brandt. Oh, my God. And here was a picture of them side by side. Oh, my God. Yeah. Can you imagine seeing your husband on TV? Uh, if I literally saw a sketch of Logan. Beep, beep, boop. Hello. Yeah. 911. Hi. So, yeah. <laughs> um. Jim later said that he just couldn't have imagined that Charlie would ever hurt a soul. He was the type of man that would not even mush a bug. He would put it on a piece of paper and take it outside to be released. He thought whatever evil that had been inside of him left the day that he snapped back after killing his mother. But his sister Angela believed differently. She said though she loved and forgave her brother Charlie, she never fully trusted him ever again. He was never left unsupervised, especially around her children. When he would stay at their home, even with Terry, she would lock and barricade her doors. 
And the same for when she would stay with him. So let's answer the question that I'm sure all of you guys are dying to know at this point. Did Terry know about Charlie's past? Well, Terry was actually introduced to Charlie by Jim. And when they got engaged, Jim asked Charlie if he had told Terry. Charlie said no, that he didn't want that to haunt him anymore. He just wanted to move forward. Jim was not happy about this and said to Charlie, I have known for years at this point, and I have never even brought it up to you or to anyone, but this is wrong. If you don't tell her, I will. Charlie's like, okay, okay, I'll tell her. But by then, Terry and Charlie had planned a shotgun wedding. Only their best friends and no family members were invited. After the wedding, Jim asked Terry if they were planning on having kids, and Terry said, quote, considering everything, probably not. So Jim took that as that she knew. But she never wrote anything about it in any of her journals or planners, and her family members said that she would have never been able to keep that secret, nor would she have ever married him. The only thing that police could find to suggest that she knew in her planner was that she would write little notes about Charlie. She said, Charlie come, came in at 3 a.m. Charlie didn't come home. Charlie's having a weird day, but that was all. But her family members still insisted that she never knew. Charlie's MO has been linked to 26 other cases, but only four have been confirmed and released by police. The first one was on September 20th, 1978. A 12-year-old little girl named Carol Sullivan was abducted from a school bus stop in Volusia County. Her skull was found in a bucket after being murdered and decapitated. Charlie was 20 years old at the time, living only 10 minutes away from this bus stop. The second murder was from December of 1988. Lisa Saunders was a 20-year-old woman, and she was found stabbed, beaten, and dragged from her car in Big Pine Key. When her body was discovered, her heart was missing. The third is from July 16, 1989. This victim is the one where Terry went to gym. 38-year-old Sherry Perchio? Perchio? Um, was a homeless woman that was found dead in a rowboat only 1,000 feet from the Brant home. Her throat had been slashed, with her head only being connected by an inch. Her body had been horribly mutilated, like Michelle's, as if she was being dissected. And her heart had been removed. Brant matched the composite sketch that that was given by a man that witnessed another man crossing the road at Route... U.S. Route 1, right before Sherry's body's body was discovered. This case was officially closed on May 6, 2006, thank you, uh, thanks to Jim's account. The fourth case was Darlene Toller, 38 years old, in 1995. Toller was a sex worker from Miami whose body was found with her head and heart missing. She was wrapped in plastic wrap and left near a highway, the specific highway that Brant used regularly. So regularly, can't never say that word, don't know why I put it in my notes, that he would log his miles for this trip. Charlie Brandt logged himself making the 100-mile drive from Big Pine Key to Miami on this exact day and in the time frame of her murder. Before I end this story, I just have one more thing I want to tell you, Morgan. So when Jim and Charlie's sister, Angela, got divorced, Jim spent two weeks living with Terry and Charlie to try to figure things out and blow off some steam. 
One day, the two men went fishing, and Jim was just ranting about everything when Charlie said something that sent chills down Jim's spine. Charlie said, quote, You know the perfect way to get revenge, right? Ripping someone's heart out and eating it. Oh my God. And that is the case of serial killer Carl Charlie Brandt. I'm speechless. Mm-hmm. No, that is a Criminal Minds episode. That's not real. That is the goriest one There's, I will ever do, I think. There is no way that people like that exist. There's just no... It's, like, so hard for me to, like, understand that, like, someone wants to do that to another human. It's not like he just pulled a trigger on a gun. He stabbed and mutilated and dissected these bodies and all of the hearts were missing like he ate it and when terry found him in the room she said that he was covered in blood as if he had rolled in it but what if he just ate it and it like dripped down him yeah oh my god yeah be sick i know morgan i know charlie's gonna be in my dream tonight nightmare i should rephrase Oh my god! Um, you did a great job telling that story Thank because you. I could never tell um, that story. <laughs> I'm sorry that you guys had to listen to that. <laughs> Why did you pick the things you picked? <laughs> it was it was on a TikTok. It was like, "What is the craziest case that you've ever heard of?" And it was like Charlie Brandt, and I was like, "Let me get on that." Who's shit? Charlie Brandt? And then I was I, like, "Why have we never hmm. heard of that?" Because most podcasts do not talk about him because it's so awful. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Rotten hell. And I literally left out some things that were just, like, awful. Like, awful. That were, like, I was, like, you know, we literally might get taken down from Apple Podcasts if I release this. Just imagine being his wife. Mm -mm. What? I wonder what happened. Like, they said that it seemed like they had been drinking wine and, like, grilling food and eating. And then just something happened. They got in the argument and he snapped again. Like what? Okay, so let's backtrack to the night that he killed his mom. Angela said that they had just gotten a colored TV. So they were all watching colored TV and the parents were like, it's bedtime. And all the kids were like, no, we don't want to go to bed. We want to watch the colored TV. We just got it today. Like we just want to watch it. And Charlie was like upset about it because he didn't want to go to bed. He wanted to watch cartoons on this awesome new TV he got. And then he goes and steals his dad's gun out of the dresser and shoots his mom five times in the chest while she's in a bathtub standing over her like stra- like when i when i envision it i think like him like straddling the bathtub yeah you know how else do you get that angle right like he's only 13 it's not like he is six foot at 13 oh my god yeah that's so scary oh i can't even i cannot uh, even hate it but uh. Thanks so much uh, for listening today to Creeps and Crimes. Um, We do have some TFUs. We do have some TFUs. So stay for a laugh if you'd like one. Because after that, you all better. I know you're all sick to your stomach. So, but before our TFUs, go review us right now. Taylor picks the most gruesome story. If you want to hear the most fucked up (laughs) shit, come listen to uh, Creeps and Crimes. Uh, Oh shit! I'm gonna. You're gonna end up having to check me into like. 
a hospital because yeah, in, in ten years I'm not okay. I'm or not like a, right now. All right, right now, get in the okay. car. I've had like five <laughs> glasses of wine. All this, you're gonna be like, look, I it really deteriorated my health. Yeah, this I'm time like, was the one. You have three kids in the house. What was the? <laughs> what were the? It was like I did a streak. It was near John Bonet, um, where it was like I talked about like three child murders, mm-hmm. and. I was literally not okay. We took a week off after that. Yeah. We recorded an extra episode and we had to take a week off because I was not okay. I was waking up every hour on the hour. Not okay. Yeah. Oh, that shit is just horrible. Yeah. So uh, stay for some TFUs, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> follow Thanks us on Instagram uh, at Creeps and Crimes Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Creeps underscore Crimes on Facebook, Creeps and Crimes Podcast and on TikTok, Creeps and Crimes. Uh, also hit up our website creepsandcrimes.com and if you have a creepy account please send it in at Emma Harris <laughs> at Emma Harris please send it in <laughs> and um, you can send that in either our on our website or to our email creepsandcrimespodcast at gmail.com and if you haven't already go give us a five star rating and a nice review on Apple Podcasts please 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 thank you alright uh, so that sound alright I'll hit it in if you're driving slow the fuck down if you're drinking don't fucking drive and remember this this is totally totally fucked up up. okay guys (laughs) in the midst holy shit one we got here at like what eight seven thirty seven thirty it's 11 o'clock now and we have had about 40 different intermissions because over the past weekend i was with one of my friends and um they have a new significant other, and basically, she was saying, like, she told me she was a nurse, she was telling everyone that she was a nurse, and so he called me yesterday, and he was like, um, I'm just, a lot of, some stuff's not really lining up. Some shit is sus. Like, I'm not, I'm not really thinking she's a nurse. You can look up their license, right, online, and I'm like, yeah, I think so, and he's like, oh, okay, well, some screenshots get sent today. He texts me, and... I tell Taylor about it and Nikki and um, Taylor is like, hold the fuck up. Hold the phone. Hold the fuck up. She starts going (laughs) crazy on her Mac and she is looking up. She's in like Pennsylvania registered nurse's license. And this name is nowhere to be found. Guys, nowhere. We even pulled up two other people that we know that are licensed in two different states and their their names and stuff was on there. So we sent it to him. We're like, oh, we think that she's might be a, a bit liar. of a compulsive liar. And so there's so much more to it. I don't really want to go in too much depth. What else? What else <laughs> happened? What else happened? So, anyways, we start digging through there, and we send screenshots as we go and find these people that we know that are for sure nurses, and we send the screenshots to her friend, and we're like. Hey, here's her name in the database. Unless there's another name that she has, she is not a registered nurse in this state. So he sends that and he's like, can you just tell me the truth? Like, I just, I don't understand why you're lying about this. Like, I'm not going to judge you. Yeah. So she's like, well, it's because I was from a different state. And so we're like, okay. So I put that state in and I pull up that state's databases of registered nurses. And again, no match. So we pull up another person that we know from that specific state and we're like, okay, nope. Screenshot. She's our friend that we know that is in that state. She's on there. So we send the screenshots back. We're like, look, send this to her. 
she sends back starts gaslighting him like crazy yeah if you don't believe me blah 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 blah, starts going crazy you're just crazy you have a small dick like going crazy guys it was insane it was it was intense so that happened this entirety this entire episode. episode this was going on so we literally finally she's like okay 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 here's the deal when I took my test, we had an issue of getting me in the database. Mm-hmm. And she's like, because of the time that I took it, it was like being updated. I don't remember the exact words. So then I pull up someone that is my mom's friend that's a nurse that literally became a nurse like in the 90s. I pull that shit up. Boom. They're in the system. Boom, shakalaka. I'm like, there's no way. Well. You're not, you're not here, girl. You, like, just, just tell us the truth. Like, right. And why are you so lying many to him? Inconsistencies that she graduated this time when mm-hmm. she really graduated. This she time. lied about her age yeah. to Morgan and to a few other people. Like, it was a big deal. So we just went full on private investigator. Totally pulled this through, and that's why you need two girls with a crime podcast. To solve any problem solve you have issues. because we will get to the bottom of it. And like, look, girly, like, look, we are for women. Like, we are women that are struggling in careers. Right. We are here. Like, we're standing beside you. We get it. But I'm not sitting around lying about right. being a nurse. I don't nurse. deal with liars, nor do I deal with gas And so she, she's saying that she's working as a nurse at these hospital, like the nursing hours. Like, and to me, that's almost disrespectful to nurses that are actually like working their balls off right now in the middle mm-hmm. of a global pandemic. Right. So she's like, I'm working these hours. I'm like, okay, well then what is she really doing if she's not a nurse? Yeah. You know, like, right. where is she at? You know, we need to be worried about I don't about know. That. So cheers, Morgan. Cheers. Cheers to... Um, and if she is a nurse and this is all resolved in the morning, we'll go back and take off the TFU. I don't know. I, I love uh, this we TFU. We might leave it because this is our first time kind of shit talking. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't mean to shit talk. Like, that's what we're saying. Like, we're not ever going to sit here and like, but... And be rude to someone that is not lying, but don't gaslight people. Yeah. If you're just a compulsive liar. Yeah. So, anyways, Morgan digs in her little, you know, contact list and pulls up some people that she knows from surrounding areas. Yeah. Yeah. And she finds out that she graduated a year later than we thought she was, and that there's no way that she is traveling because Mm -hmm. she hasn't left and that. They don't really know her, but what they do know is to stay away because she's a compulsive liar. So everybody that she went to high school with basically said she lies about everything. So anyways, that is the story. Whatever. We don't know the, the, you know, everything about it, obviously. But But what we do know know is she's not a nurse. Just know in the midst of this episode, this is what was going on for hours. So that's the TFUT right there. Right. So, girly, if you ever listen to this. Totally fucked up. You totally fucked up. T-F-U-T? What's the T stand for? Totally fucked up. Yeah, you said, and that's a T-F-U-T. Oh, T. Ah! T. Got it. T-E-A. God help us. It's 11 o'clock at night. We got to go to bed. Hope you enjoyed that little (laughs) T-F-U. Goodbye, everybody. Good night. (laughs)